Tulsa, happy Wednesday. It is another episode of the show here on the Blitz 1170. And as always, we are streaming on the Blitz 1170 app. I am Colby Daniels, along with Jeremy Poplin. We head to the Blitz hotline and say hello to Dusty Dvorak. Dusty, happy Wednesday. What is happening, my man? Oh, man, a little bit of everything on this Woo Wednesday uh, here in Houston, Texas, getting ready for the Paul Bear Bryant Award Show tonight. Uh, I was able to emcee this event last year, and I did not screw it up, so they invited me back for <laughs> year number two. So fingers crossed. Everybody's been like, oh, you did such a great job last year. I'm like, dang it. I want to kind of set a lower bar so that I can continue to get over the top of it. But uh, I'm here at the uh, Post Oak Hotel which is um, owned by Tillman Fertitta. It is phenomenal. Colby, they have a, it's a Rolls Royce slash uh, Bugatti slash Bentley dealership in the hotel. I mean, it, it is next level nice. I got picked up from the airport last night in a Rolls Royce that was like, it was like a, almost like an SUV. And it had like suicide doors. And I'm oh. like, holy cow, this is way too nice for me. When I put my feet on the, uh, in the car, on the, uh, on the mats, it was like I put them on clouds. They just sunk down into it. And uh, it, it's, it's first class, phenomenal. And then last night, uh, we had a, uh, last year, if you remember, I gave Coach Stoops like a Lifetime Achievement Award, which yeah. is really cool. Yeah. This year, that's going to Lloyd Carr. And last night there was a dinner uh, right across the street at, at Mastro's, which is an awesome steakhouse. And so I got to hang out with with a lot of the uh, the dignitaries on the American Heart Association board, on the Paul Bear Bryan Awards, executive staff, and then with Coach Lloyd Carr. So that was uh, an awesome event. And uh, we've already gone through the rehearsals and uh, here tonight. I believe it's going to air on CBS Sports Network. So if you're looking for something on a Woo Wednesday – uh, check us out. I think 8.30 start time, CBS Sports Network will have the uh, Paul Bear Bryant Coach of the Year Award. So it's going to be a lot of fun. That is awesome. And I would imagine Lloyd Carr is having a heck of a week, huh? Yes, he is. Uh, Wolverine <laughs> Nation uh, is on cloud nine. Obviously, he was the last head coach for the last national championship back in 1997. Uh, a lot of pride beaming uh, from all the Wolverines and especially um, uh, coach Carr, man, he was, uh, he was fired up and excited to be here and, uh, looking forward to tonight. Did you, did you feel the need to like crack open a bush light or something when you stepped into that Rolls Royce just to kind of bring it down a little bit? Yeah. I, I yes. Or like walking into this hotel. <laughs> like, I feel like, I feel just out of place. You know what I mean? Like, like you're like, I, you're the cousin Eddie yes. at, at the Griswold's place. Yeah. 100% or like, uh, like Beverly Hillbillies. You know, like how right, they right. showed up. Like, that's me. Like, I'm like, yeah. it's like, who's this guy? I've like, been there, why? my friend. Why, why, why is it's like I pulled up last night to the Post Oak Hotel and, you know, this car, it's like a, it's a head turner. And so I'm getting out of the car and I can tell like everybody outside is like, oh, thinking like, oh, who's this? Who's pulling out? And I step out and I can quickly tell like, no, who's this guy? <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's nobody important. He's nobody famous. So I'm like, look away, look away. Nothing to see here. But, um, I'll tell you what, uh, I'm sure you have to pay an arm and a leg, but there's a reason they're luxury vehicles. It was uh, probably the nicest car I've been in. It's pretty sweet. Very, very cool. Well, it is a, I, I started the show yesterday with, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, 
I'm relishing in the fact that we just had a national championship game, but now it's like 200-something days until college football is back. At least you're going to be talking college football tonight, right? And we, we have storylines, but in terms of on the field, college football is in the books until late August, Dusty. And, uh, you know, I guess we've got to reflect back on the championship game for Monday night, but... What a wacky sport, and, and uh, you know, it's it's grown so much in popularity, and the numbers for this game were off the charts, despite, I think, a lot of media members kind of being ho-hum about the matchup and, and not necessarily, I think, propping it up because there wasn't an SEC juggernaut in this thing. I Look, I, I love the matchup, contrasting styles, old school, new school, which we'll get into a second old school one, but... You know, the one great thing about college football now is it's like the NFL. It's 365. It's 12 months a year. This thing don't sleep. It's not slowing down. And with the moves into the SEC by OU Texas, with the moves into uh, the Pac-12 with uh, uh, USC, UCLA, Oregon, Washington, with the moves in the Big 12, with those uh, four new Pac-12 schools coming over, there's going to be so much intrigue, 12-team playoff, I mean, just everything. And I think it's a lot of people kind of wondering, what's this thing going to look like? Where is college football going? Uh, so I just I, – uh, I absolutely love it. Uh, I would say that in my lifetime, though it's like – it's it's interesting because everybody agrees that college football has got their issues. It's not perfect. Uh, and they've still got a lot of stuff to work through. I would argue – I don't remember a time that people have been more excited and the intrigue is absolutely peaking. So while we can all recognize we got to figure some stuff out as a sport and it's not perfect, but man, the excitement level, the intrigue coming into next year, I can already feel it. Like this season just ended Monday night and I can already tell like everybody can't wait for spring and then for the summer and obviously next fall to get here. So yeah, we're not going to have games to talk about per se, but I can assure you there's going to be plenty of fodder around college football to fuel this entire year leading up to next season. No, I, I would argue no sport has bigger obstacles in front of it or bigger issues within it than college football does, yet it continues to grow and grow and grow and become more and more popular. And I, I kind of made the the reference yesterday College football is almost like how to lose a guy in 10 days. I don't know if you've seen the movie. My wife watched it over oh, the holidays. But it's like college football almost is like, let's see how much I can get away with. Let's see how much I can do wrong and see if the fans stick by us no matter what. And the fans have, right? Like all of this stuff that continues to happen and the wacky twists and turns with conference realignment and NIL and the transfer portal, all these things that people complain about, nobody is turning away from college football. No one's turning away, and I would argue that it's bringing in, you know, and even new fans uh, because, you know, I think there are some people that are college football fans, and there's some that are NFL. You've got a smattering that kind of cross over and like both, but there are some that are like heels dug in the ground college football, heels dug in the ground NFL, and I think that as it goes more to a professional model, you're not going to lose the college fan, but you will gain some of the NFL fans, and so I, I just think that it's only growing. Uh, it's not going the other direction. So I'm with you. Great. How to lose a guy in 10 days reference, by the way, that, that is a, a phenomenal movie. How dare you ask uh, if I've seen that? I, I love a good rom-com, man. Are you kidding me? A little romantic comedy. That's right in my wheelhouse. And 
you know, anytime I can watch some Matthew McConaughey, I'm all in, brother. That's it. That's an excellent movie. But you know what? I probably need to dust that one off. And my, okay. my wife and I need to take that in here pretty soon. We haven't seen that in a while. Well, well, Pop immediately told me that he not only likes that movie, but uh, unfortunately, he said it's not his favorite McConaughey rom-com. He went fool's gold on us, yeah. which fool's gold. That's an all right movie. It's not as good as How to Lose a Guy. In I don't. Days, I don't think so either. It's a good movie. Um, but uh, no, I love it, man, and it, it gets me excited about about our sport that we get to cover. And it really does what you said, like because th- there are some things that can rub people the wrong way. But we got such passionate fans that that love college football that. I just, I just love it, and it's, it's obviously, it's a treat that you and I get to do what we get to do and That's cover right. the sport. Uh, but it's because there's such a passion, there's such a draw from the great fans around the country. And um, again, I, that's not slowing down. To me, that's only cranking up. Well, and I think with college football, one of the draws is because you have this cycle of a roster that is such a short period of time. Like college football, I think just gives its fan bases collectively despite the uphill battle that 99% of the schools are facing compared to the Blue Bloods, college football gives its fans hope, right? Because you bring in a whole new recruiting class every year. The transfer portal is now added even more to that. And the money that you pour in through NIL to maybe your roster, like roster turnover is just at such a high level. The way the sport is is built with college athletes only having so long to to play their, their eligibility – Whereas, you know, with the NFL, if you go into rebuild mode, like it, you're not turning over the roster necessarily in a way that gives you hope in the process of turning over the roster. And uh, that's, I think, the one thing about college football, no matter what wrongs exist in the sport, every program has hope that, that you know, they are one recruiting class or one transfer portal cycle away from being able to to turn that roster in the right direction and... Uh, you know, for Washington, they were able to do that, right? I mean, look at what Kalen DeBoer did uh, with a Washington team that, you know, has clearly had ups and downs. But, my gosh, in the national championship, we saw it with TCU a year ago. I mean, the sport is, is, has changed in so many ways. And, look, it's still, it's still the same in so many ways as well. But the door has opened for the non-Blue Bloods to, you know, it still takes kind of a perfect storm maybe, but the door is at least open, I think, for the non-Blue Bloods to experience success and accelerate the process of getting there. It's well said. Uh, Washington was 4-8 and eight two years ago. Uh, they go 11-2 and two last year, and they were 14-0 playing for a national championship on Monday. So hope springs eternal in college football. This new format, though it's flawed, it's only, you know, enhanced that aspect of the sport. And I think that's a great thing. More parity now than we've seen. And then now all of a sudden you interject the 12-team playoff. That there really is a path for just about everybody. And I think that that's, that's only going to excite so many fan bases. And I would even argue it's going to excite coaches and players as well. Um, you know, we'll see. We haven't gotten there yet. And we'll see after a four- or five-year litmus test how many programs can truly win a national championship. But you want access. You want the opportunity and this new format, this new system that will be upon us before we know it is going to allow for that. So to me, that's only going to increase the optimism. That's only going to increase a fan saying, because now you just win your conference. Win your conference, right. you got a chance. And, and more than likely, if you're in a power four conference, I would say there's a 
99% chance you win that conference, you're not only making the playoff, you're getting a bye. So now you've even got a shorter path than someone else. And I, I love that there's going to be that importance, that impact of being a conference champion is going to have in college football more so than we've ever seen before. So I, um, I can't wait, man. I think it's going to be great. And, and everything you said about being able to flip a roster, turn things around so quickly. And now with this, uh, you know, this addition of the access that we have uh, via the expanded playoff, I think it's only going to continue to enhance the sport uh, that we love and, and, and the, the amount of people that want to gravitate to it. We uh we we watched the national championship on Monday night and and Michigan obviously took care of business. They were unbelievably impressive. That said, uh, I don't know that there's there's been a a season of college football in my lifetime that has had more parity and maybe less separation from the top than to you know tier number two or tier number three. And next year's model is only going to extend that, right? I think the transfer portal and NIL plays a big part of spreading the talent out. But when you now have access and you have a way to compete for a national championship outside of maybe the handful of schools that we traditionally think of, I, I think the parity is only going to get better and better and better. 100%. Um, I, I totally agree. Uh, that's, that's not just something I hope for. I think we're seeing it year in, year out. Uh, and that's, that's a good thing, man. Like you, you want that. You want more programs, more fan bases, more people to feel like we got a shot. We got a shot, and I think that's I think that's excellent. Uh, I think it's outstanding. I'll tell you another thing that's it's great. I can't remember if we've talked about it on here or if I've talked about it on some of my other shows that I do on SiriusXM. But you know, Michigan didn't have a top ten recruiting class in the last four year cycle. They averaged somewhere around, depending on the service, twelve to fifteen. Um, Washington, you know, they were more in the twenties with a, a recruiting class that was fifty nine. Two years ago, that's important that not just the top five are winning championships and are playing in championship games. TCU was the same way last year. And so I think that's the other element of this, too, is it's not just the teams that are only getting the four and five stars. We're seeing that, you know, via the transfer portal, you can fill in holes, you can bring in a quarterback, you can bring in positions that can flip the script and change the game so quickly. And, and then along with that, you know, those teams that are accumulating the bulk of the talent from the high school ranks, we're also seeing that redistributed via the portal. So they don't have all that added depth that they potentially have had previously. And more of the talent is getting distributed across all of college football. And that's a great thing. So I, I think that not insignificant that Michigan, without a single top 10 recruiting class the last four years, wins a national title. And Washington, with really more of, of recruiting classes in the 20s or outside of that, was playing for a national championship the other night. Because, again, whether you're saying it in your meeting room to your players uh, or not, they see that. They know that. Fan bases recognize that. And coaching staffs as well. So, to me, the, we just continue to see signs and, and evidence that this parity is real. And it feels like more and more teams now – have the opportunity not just to make the playoff, but to win a national championship that we've seen in, in quite some time. You know what this Michigan team feels like to me? It's like the football version of what Kansas has done in college basketball, where you see the Dukes and the, and the Kentuckys load up on the five-star kids every year, right? And Kansas might bring in one of those guys, 
But then they bring in that next tier of kid that's not a five-star, but he's really talented, and he's not going to bolt for the NBA after one season. He's probably going to stick around and play three or four years. Like there's a, there's a fine line between getting a guy that's so good that he's gone for the NBA in a year and getting a guy that's really good but maybe doesn't have all of the, the NFL measurables to leave you immediately and then you get multiple seasons out of him. That's what this Michigan roster kind of is to me. Not at the same level of, of maybe like what Ohio State has done uh, with with the, the high-end guys or Alabama or Georgia, but, I mean, it's just that next level of guys, and, and they got a ton of them. Obviously, that team was incredibly talented. They were, and they were incredibly old, uh, to your point. A lot of guys that have stuck around, been around, have continued to work, get better, get developed. Uh, I also think that, you know, Jim Harbaugh's staff, whether it's Jesse Minter, Sharon Moore, that is a team that is extremely well coached. Uh, no different than Kansas, as you referenced with Bill Self. I think that's a, I think that's a good comp. Uh, I really do. And the only difference, you know, Michigan, you know, they've or Michigan, they haven't won a championship since '97. They haven't won an outright championship since '48. You know, clearly Kansas had more success recently, but the way in which Michigan won this championship, put this roster together, I, I agree. I think it's a, a good comparison. What what I loved about Monday night, and, and I know you and I both had Michigan winning. That was my – did you have them before the year? Same as they me. They were my have, preseason pick, yeah. Same. Same here. And what what I loved about Monday night, and, and I think that it's – you know, we'll see if it can be duplicated – but line of scrimmage and defense matters. And we know that, right? Like, show me the last national champion that didn't have an excellent defensive line. Or heck, an excellent offensive line to go with that. They don't exist. And, I, and again, I, I know how important quarterbacks are. They are. But, man, line of scrimmage and defense, you can win championships with that. And I think J.J. McCarthy's a really good player. They just don't ask him to do a lot. Because they're going to bludgeon you. They're going to line up. They're going to be physical as heck on the line of scrimmage. They're going to block their tails off. And they're going to run the football. 300 yards the other night in the national championship game. It was like a work of art. And the way they were doing it with, with big personnel, extra offensive tackle in, you know, two tight ends in, and then motion, shift, get you misaligned, and then run it right down your throat. That's who this team is. And it's it's great defense, and it's it's defensive line play that I thought made the Joe Moore award-winning offensive line look average the other night. Look, that had Michael Penix looking nervous and scared at times. Cost and, him millions just, of dollars, I think, in in drafty vows, right? I, yeah, and I, yes. And we'll get to that in a second, but yes, but you know, and, and they play with a relentless nature, with their hair on fire tackling blocking it matters it matters and it's a lost art man everybody can't do it at the highest level the way that maybe we saw it throughout college football 20 years ago it's a lost art but when you can block when you can tackle when you can win the line of scrimmage play defense and run the football you're going to put yourself in position to win a lot of games and that's how michigan won a national championship and I believe in the line of scrimmage. I believe uh, when, when you can win in the trenches, you can win darn near any game you play. And that was one thing that I loved seeing the other night because at ESPN, 48 people picked this game for ESPN.com. 32 went with Washington. 
16 with Michigan. And I think it's because we all get so enamored with quarterback play, with passing the football. And it's important. I don't want to, I don't want to act like it's not. It's all important. But at the end of the day, if you can completely dominate and win the line of scrimmage, I, I'm going to take that team over another team nine times out of 10. And I, there was just something about the old school mentality, the old school nature in yeah. which Michigan plays that I'm drawn to. And I thought it was on display for all the country to see on Monday night as they took claim to a national championship. One of the biggest issues, I think, with evaluating college football these days, a lot of people aren't watching games in their entirety, right? You watch highlight packages, and who's going to look better on a highlight package, Washington or Michigan, right? Washington does all the things that, that create great highlight packages, and what makes Michigan so great might not even show up in a highlight package, right? Like, just because you're not getting sacks doesn't mean you're not completely dominating and, and you know, just the pressure alone, as we saw on Monday night, sometimes that doesn't even show up on a highlight. And it's it's hard for people to evaluate that if they're not actually watching you play football. I picked Michigan before the year and, and I stood and I, I kind of stayed with that pick throughout the year. I did think for a while Georgia might be the best team, but I always felt that Michigan was right there. And I got to be honest with you. And I didn't we don't have Big Ten games at ESPN. So I wasn't grinding on Michigan film. When I got the Ohio State Buckeyes in the Cotton Bowl, and then I had the, the Michigan Wolverines in the Rose Bowl, and I started watching Michigan on film, that's when I was just, that's when I was convinced, like, this is the best team in the country because of exactly what you said. They are fundamentally sound. They do all the little things right. How about this? The, the fewest penalties per game in the country. Number one in turnover margin. Like, they don't beat themselves. That's not going to show up in a highlight package, not That's getting right. penalties. But you know where it shows up? In a win-loss column. That's where it shows up. Like, and, and that's what and that's what's so great about this team. When I watched them on film, and I saw this, and I saw them live, and I watched this defensive line, and I watched them come in waves, go 8, 9, 10 deep, like I told you the other day. It's the best D-line in the country, period. Period. I've seen a lot of teams. I've seen the best teams. That's the best defensive line of college football. And I thought that that was proven the other night. Also, the, the Michigan Wolverines offensive line. I, I think the Joe Moore War got it wrong. I think, I think Michigan was the best offensive line in the country. When I watch them on film, I mean, it jumps off the tape how well they block. And I, would, I wouldn't just limit the offensive line, the tight ends, the receivers. You know, Breedison is essentially a fullback, like, they block so well. And it's like, I think it's it's funny because like we don't typically laud blocking and tackling, but what I tell you the other day, it's the best blocking and tackling team in the country. And I think that those two aspects were very apparent the other night. And you're not gonna see those things oftentimes and highlight packages on X uh, or on Instagram. But boy, when you watch an entirety of a 60-minute football game and you start to break it down. It jumps off the screen. What One thing that I don't know if you guys talked about, I talked about it on my show uh, yesterday, but I watching that game on Monday night, a couple things jumped out to me. The amount of screen passes that Washington had in, like that tells a story. And why do you put in that many screens? It's because you don't think you can block them up front. I really believe that Washington was nervous 
and was really questioning, can we slow these guys down? Whether it be just a four-man rush, which we saw a ton of, pressure packages, and I saw tight end screens, running back screens. I saw X screens. I saw Z screens. I saw everything under the sun. And you don't screen that much unless you go in and you're Ryan Grubb and you're Kalen DeBoer and you say, we got to help these guys. We got to do something because if we just try to line up and block them, we're not going to be able to. So that really jumped out to me. They knew going in Houston, we have a problem. And I think that along with that, Michael Penix, I think him watching that film, seeing that defensive line, the clock in his head sped up. I think that he went into that game. I think that's part of why he was off the other night is that he was so hyper-focused on that pressure and knowing that I'm going to have to get the ball out quick. And then that pressure became very real. I think the combination of what he saw on film and where he was mentally going into that game in, in conjunction with what the actual pressure he felt getting hit all night and being uncomfortable and under duress, I thought that's why we saw Michael Penix really struggle the other night. And the part that I think hurts him the most, and I agree, I do think he costs himself money, it's actually the part of uh, of his body not holding up once again. I thought that was the, the, the you know, there was some inconsistency with accuracy and he missed some throws and, and that was on display. But I thought that him getting banged up, holding his ribs, that's been the story of his entire career. And he is a very slight guy. And I think that that was probably a, a, a reminder for NFL teams. Can this guy hold up for the duration of an entire season? Can this guy hold up if he's getting hit over and over throughout the course of a year? And I thought that as great as he was in the Sugar Bowl, I, and as much as he helped himself and probably made himself money, I thought it was kind of equally the opposite end of the spectrum uh, a week later on Monday night against this Michigan defense. And as you know, Dusty, I mean, there is nothing like interior pressure. Uh, and I think psychologically, when you get interior pressure out of the gate, it just completely breaks down an offense and especially a quarterback. When, when you experience that immediately, unlike edge pressure, you see it coming toward you. The entire play breaks down, right? Like you can, you can move away from edge pressure one side or the other, but when it's on the interior, uh, there's, there's really nowhere to go. The play is broken. And, and I thought that played a big role in why Michigan was so much more successful than we saw uh, like Texas the previous week. 55, Mason Graham, 78, Kenneth Grant. You and I were texting during the game. Them some dudes. And that's exactly right. Like when that pressure, it's first of all, it's the most immediate way to get to a quarterback directly in front. It disrupts vision of a quarterback as well as I think it just, you know, those are bigger body guys. Like you want to get the ball out of your hand. The problem for Washington the other night, it was coming from everywhere. I mean, the interior pressure was getting there and then there's nowhere to escape because the edge pressure is coming too. And when, when you can corral a quarterback like that, it's problematic. But you're speaking my language. When when the the interior guys, when they get humming and they get home, it is very difficult for a quarterback to operate at a high level. And that was a massive part of what we saw on, on Monday night. Uh, why, why that Michigan defense, who was giving up under 10 points a game going in, held one of the best offenses in college football to 13 points. It was 
to me, it was a thing of beauty and a work of art. Like I, I appreciate and respect the heck out of who this Michigan defense is, the way they, the way they go about their business and the performance they put forth on Monday night. Before we get out of here, I'm I'm shocked, I guess, that Jim Harbaugh hasn't already taken another job. I, I question whether the announcement would leak before the confetti fell inside uh, inside of the, the dome. But, uh, I mean, that seems to be the consensus, right, that, that he's going to take a, a position in the NFL. It's definitely, I think, the, the betting public says yes, right? But they've said that for the last two years. Yet, here he is still in Ann Arbor as the head coach. I'm not as convinced. Like I, I'm, I, I definitely recognize there is a, a a serious possibility, if not a likelihood. But put me down for one. I've been saying this all all year, and especially leading up to this playoffs and championship. I'm gonna have to see it to believe it. Like, are we certain that he's the top choice for an NFL team? Are we certain that he wants to go to the NFL? I mean, I, he might. He definitely might. But I, there's also a chance that maybe he wants to stay. Maybe he doesn't want to deal with the NCAA. Maybe he wants to do a lot of what he said and help players get, you know, he's talking about players unionizing after the championship. He's talked a lot about revenue sharing. You know, he's being this advocate for player rights. Well, what do advocates do? Do they take off when the fight's about to start or do they stand there on the front line? Like, I just, and again, I don't know where his head's at, but I'm, I'm hopeful he stays in college football as quirky and as different as he is. He's a character and characters are good for the sport. So put me down as one that hopes we see Jim Harbaugh stay. And I'm not as convinced as others that he's definitively gone. All right. uh, maybe that's me just hoping we see him. But if I'll say, I'll say he's back at Michigan next year, but I, I also, I wouldn't put a, I wouldn't put a nickel on it. Uh, but I, I just I'm not as I'm not as dead set as a lot of others that he's definitely gone. I'll tell you this, there's plenty of opportunities because I mean jobs just keep coming available. The Pete Carroll one threw me a bit. I I, I was not expecting to see the Seattle Seahawks as a team and and, and, a, and an organization that came available. What's what's the total up to now? Is it 7? Are we at 7 open jobs? Is it 7 now? officially or I, I don't even know which ones are officially open. Carolina. And which ones, yeah. Carolina. Washington. Raiders. Washington. Um, obviously, and not even counting New England. Um, Chicago's keeping Eberflus. Chicago's keeping Eberflus. The L.A. Chargers. Chargers. Uh, that, that, the Titans. I think it's up to seven now. And obviously, a lot of people expecting New England to come right. open, too. Like, what's the league got? 32 teams? I mean, if... If you get to eight, that's a quarter of the jobs in the NFL have come open, which, and again, I know Jim Harbaugh knows that world. Like that's also something else to think about. I mean, NFL is not for long, not just for players. It's yeah. for coaches too. As much or more turnover in the National Football League with coaches as there is in any other professional sport. I lied. I said that was the last thing. I do have one more thing because we talked about this yesterday. I saw a tweet on Monday night after the win that said something along the lines of now the only blue blood that has a longer championship drought than OU is Notre Dame. Does that does that uh, add? I mean, there's already a ton of urgency, right, to, to win a title at OU every single year. Uh, but does does that add more pressure? No, there's already immense pressure. I don't that's not changing. Um I, I, you know, I, I get it. I understand it. 
look, Brent Venables, uh, he, he, he knows. He knows how long it's been. He was here the last time they won a championship. He knows the demand, the hunger, uh, the want from this fan base to bring a ch- another championship home. Um, I, I, again, I, you could say it, it fuels a fire, but I think that fire's burning and only continuing to grow by the year that they don't win a championship. So I, I don't think it adds much to it. I think they know in-house exactly what the expectation and, and that drought, man, it just continues to get longer and longer, which sense of urgency, it is very, very high uh, in Norman, Oklahoma, around this program and definitely around that coaching staff. Speaking of droughts, we'll talk Cowboys Packers on Friday, my friend. I can't wait, man. I'm fired up for this week in NFL playoffs. It's going to be great. Should be a great time. Uh, have a, a great emceeing event tonight, and we will catch up Friday. That is Dusty Dvorak. I'm Colby Daniels, along with Jeremy Poplin. We will take a timeout. You're listening to the Blitz 1170. And as always, we are streaming on the Blitz 1170 app.